October 24th, 1929, was called Black Thursday. And it spelled the beginning of the end for many companies, for many people's uh, personal financial um, uh, wealth. It, it, it spelled the end for many banks that went bankrupt and never returned the money to their, their uh, clients, their, their um, customers. Unemployment in the United States went from 1 million people to 12 million people in four years. 25% of, every, uh, of, the, of the population of the United States within four years was unemployed. There was no unemployment insurance. There was no uh, safety net, as it were. And so homes were broken up as fathers went to search for employment elsewhere. Some sent money back. Other families just disintegrated. What's worse, dignity was destroyed among people as they began to beg for food and for shelter. And the lives of those people who lived through what we call now the Great Depression was forever changed, and their children's lives were forever changed. I found this out when um, an elderly lady who was a, a member of my church in Kentucky, now this was the grassy lick United Methodist Church. It was like in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And it was, um, it was a small chapel. It was a brick one. It was their third building, and it was built in 1868. And so it had, you know, it was the, it was the new building, um, as we called it. And uh, in this new building, um, mice had somehow found a way to get in and join the congregation. And so we had little mouse traps around, that, around the place, and, and we would kind of search through them uh, on Sunday morning early before people showed up and, and make sure they were going. And, and I found a, a mouse in a trap, uh, and so I picked up the trap, the whole thing, and kind of walked it over like um, the sissy that I was, and uh, dropped it in the trash can. And, and this lady, Ann, saw me do that, and she gasped. I said, what's the matter? She said, we can use that trap again. I said, I bet we could, but we're not going to, you know. <laughs> And she said, oh, yes, and she reached in and she pulled that trap out and, and took the mouse out and reset that trap and put it right back. I said, for a quarter, we can get a new one, you know. And, and no, we had to use this stuff. We have to use it again. I was perplexed. I was not about to go taking mice out of mouse traps. And so I told her, I have a great idea. And so I baptized and confirmed all the mice, and we never saw them ever again. They were all going after that. You'll get that in a little bit, and you'll be like, oh, that was really funny. Um... My children didn't grow up in the Depression era, and I didn't grow up in the Depression era, and we've kind of lost a bit of that. We're a bit wasteful around our place, I think, and, and, and I try, I really work at, at making it that's not so, but I think that we've kind of lost a bit of that, uh, of that anxiety that people who grew up in a Depression era and the first generation after that felt. The greatest loss, though, of the Depression wasn't the money. It was security, wasn't it? It was a sense of well-being that people got, the sense of, of, of being secure. Uh, banks had a difficult time ever recovering from that. People began to stuff money in their mattresses. Some of you perhaps know parents or grandparents who wouldn't trust a bank ever again. That security was gone, and people really weren't sure about family security, whether, whether fathers could be trusted or, or whether um, you know, some financial calamity might destroy the family again. National security. The Depression fell between two world wars. 
And the whole sense of security, not just in the United States, but around the world. This sense of, of insecurity that, that continued to grow and grow. And yet, even in our time, we have the same thing, don't we? How did this century begin? With a major terrorist attack where thousands of people were killed in a single day. I'm, I'm part of the honors committee at, at OCU, and, and so I help pick uh, curriculum for what the honor students are going to study. And, and, and you know what they're studying this semester? The Great Recession. They're studying this recession and the impact that it's having on people in our own society. One of the great problems that people feel is this loss of security. And this is what every candidate promises. This is why we have um, such a... a um, a push for national defense. Do you know the United States spends more on national defense than the, than the entire rest of the world combined? We spend more money on national defense. Why? Because we know what it's like to be through world wars. It's why we have locks on our homes and on alarms on our cars. We, we are insecure. When I was in Africa, I was amazed to find homes that people had bars on their window. Almost everywhere there were bars on the window sense of security. We need to be secure. We want to fit. But do we know where our security comes from? I think that's what the gospel text is about. The gospel text is predicated, it's chapter 13, first few verses, predicated on what happened in chapter 12. Perhaps you noticed the beginning, the way that Luke kind of led into this. There were some at that very present time, at that time, right then. At what time? Well, the time of chapter 12. Which means we've got to turn back a page. Now, just stay with me here. Notice in chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, there were thousands of people who had gathered, and they were kind of falling all over themselves, Luke says. They were actually stumbling on top of themselves to gather to hear Jesus. And Jesus begins to teach them. And he begins to teach them, first of all, about not being hypocritical like the Pharisees. Beware of hypocrisy, he starts off with. He's teaching this lesson on hypocrisy when someone interrupts him and says, Hey, can you tell my brother to give me the money he owes me from my father's inheritance? I mean, I don't know what's going on in this sermon that, that Jesus doesn't seem to have his audience's attention. But somebody jumps up and says, Hey, can you be a probate judge for me? Because we really need one in our house. And Jesus kind of says to him, basically, what made you think of that I was a probate judge? And then he goes on to say, And beware of covetousness and greed. And he teaches on money for a while. And then he teaches on worry and anxiety. And at the end of that, while he's still teaching that, we kind of segue into this little story about two different groups of people. Galileans who were slaughtered by Pilate, the governor, and a tower of Siloam that fell on some people. Now the Galileans who were killed by Pilate, this is sort of a, a well-known story, Galilee was a hotbed of Jewish nationalism. The one thing they wanted to do was to push the Romans out of Galilee so they could kind of be in control of their own destiny. And so their whole thing was get rid of the Romans. If only we could get rid of the Romans. And so they had these kind of little bands of people who would kind of start up these uh, insurrections. Pilate found out about one of them, this group, waited for them to come to Jerusalem, and while they was worshiping, he had them all murdered. As if to say, if you mess with me, this is exactly what will happen to you. If you think that you can resist Rome, this is your fate. There was another group of people, completely distinct, different. They probably didn't even know each other's names. They're in the southern part of Jerusalem. They're working on a tower, like a defensive tower, like the Tower of London, a fortress for the Romans. 
And as they're working on it, it collapses and kills 18 of them. They're completely different than the Galileans. They're not resisting the Romans. They're actually participating in it. They're, they're kind of compromising, working for the Romans. Jesus says, you know what? They both died. <laughs> and here's the thing. He says to these people, and unless you repent, the same is waiting for you. And this makes absolutely no sense. Unless, unless he's not just talking about repentance from the sort of things that we do all the time, about feeling guilty, about breaking, breaking Ten Commandments. If, unless he means that repentance is something else altogether different. Metanaeo in Greek, it means to change your mind. To have a different thought about something. And I think what Jesus is saying is that you're so caught up with what's going on here in your political system, you don't even see that you've taken security for yourself into your own hands. You think the greatest way to be secure in life is to control your own life. Repent of that. Why should we repent of something like that? Because our security should not be in our ability to control our destiny, but in our willingness to allow God to do it for us. To give all of our life, all of our well-being, all of our security to God. Security is about having a right relationship with God. That's what Jesus seems to be saying. And so when you go back to chapter 12 and you see, how does that look? What's that look like to have a right relationship with God? It's not being a hypocrite. It's about having an authentic piety. It's about having an interior life. About longing that the, for the Lord to make things right on the inside. Lord, would you, would you make our, our souls clean? Like this prayer that we prayed, this collect of today. We have no power in ourselves to do this, but we long that God would do it for us. I've quoted St. Augustine before, I'll do it again. He said, command whatever you will, O God. But give me the grace to do what you command. I can't do this on my own. If I try, I, I just mess it up all the time. I just keep doing it over again. But if you give me the grace to do what you command, well, then I can do all kinds of things. It's not about greed. It's not about getting what we want, but about being generous. About lives of generosity. This is what trust in God looks like. It's not about, it's not about being confident in ourselves or being worried when things go wrong, but having complete confidence of God in God. It's not about apathy, but hunger, spiritual concern. It's about not about self-preservation, but about worrying about others. These are the things that Jesus goes through in this long sermon in chapter 12. And so these Galileans, these people who died in the southern part of Jerusalem, the thing that they needed to do was to say, hey, our confidence is not in our political situation. Our confidence is in God. Do you know, do you know where your insecurities are? You notice I didn't ask you if you had insecurities because I know you've got them. We all have them, don't we? Do you know where your insecurities are? One of the best things about being a father of small children when my, when my boys were little, we would, um, great just playing with them, you know? Pushing them on the big wheel or, or playing ball and teaching them how to catch. When I see my boys catch a fly ball in the outfield, I know. I taught that kid how to catch. You know, it's me who taught him. He should be coming over here thanking me for those lessons that I gave him. But he won't. He'll just go kiss his mom and say, did you see that great catch I made, Dad? You know. But one of the things I love to do in the summertime is go swimming with them. 
and take them in the pool. And you know when they're real little, like two or three, and, and they can't swim, and they sit around and play on the steps, and, and I would come up and I'd grab them, you know, and, and I'd take them, they'd cling to me, and we'd go out into the deep water. I'm 5'4", so we didn't go that deep. But, um, you know, we would go out into what was deep for them, and, and, and we would go into the deep water, and, and, and they would cling and hold on to you. And they were so afraid, so afraid that I was going to let them go. I, I mean, I hadn't drowned a kid in a long time, so I don't know why they thought that. And then they would cling to me and hold on. And you could see that little look of terror in their face. And eventually they would they would start to relax and have a little fun and say, let's play motorboat. And we would motorboat around the water or whatever. What if our security, it's not in our ability to hold on to the railing, but to trust in the one who holds on to us. Amen.